Didn't know what I was going to do. We were uh, in a small city, Helm, 12 kilometers from the Ukrainian border. So we were receiving refugees at this church. This is church, uh, Baptist Church, one of many Baptist churches there that are helping the refugees. They set up with the IMB, receiving the refugees and just kind of processing them. They come in, they're there for a couple days before they go on to other countries. Some of them stay in Poland. So this is kind of what they had set up for them. And the church just stepped out in faith. They went out, they said, we have to do something. Right when the war happened, they said, we don't know what we need to do, but we need to get ready because there's going to be people coming in. And so they went out, they put, maxed out their credit cards, they bought beds, they bought, and they just opened up their church. And they had as many as 200 refugees at a time and just <coughs> wall to wall. So we were there um, to support them. Ladies were there changing beds daily, mopping, cleaning toilets constantly washing clothes for the refugees that came in with just the stuff they could carry. And that's what the laundry room looked like when they came in in the morning. And, it's, and they only could run a couple washers at a time and dryers. And everything had to be super hot. So the loads took like two and a half hours. And I, they worked really hard. They worked really hard. But the kids, after a couple days, kind of settled down and, and got to be kids again. And so that was really, they were pretty you know, shell-shocked. Some of them had spent days traveling to get there. So they were really quiet. So when they actually got to sit down, and, and this didn't really turn out, that was, that was one of the pictures the kids drew. And you could see a lot of red rockets coming down. So they were kind of living out their things through. But they got, this was uh, pictures. We got a 18-wheeler with supplies from France came in. And these were in some of the boxes. Pictures, one of, one of the volunteers there spoke French, and he translated. And it was prayers for encouragement. We love you. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you. And just. That meant a lot to the kids. So we translated those and put them up in the shelter there so that the kids could see that there are other people supporting them. This, was a, this is not a picture I took. This is uh, actually supplies that got into Ukraine. We're, the men were working in the warehouse. We were packing up pallets and shipping them. So this is a load of just a couple of kids. I just couldn't help but <laughs> take borrow these pictures from. They posted it on their website. But these kids are getting food because everything. We think supplies are short here. They're drastically so short there. So one of the ladies that was there uh, was making these hearts and giving them and asking if they could pray with everybody there. So. Google Translate is amazing <laughs> because we had very few Ukrainian speakers, uh, Polish speakers. There were a few that spoke a little bit of English. So you just, if you ever go to another country, get Google Translate. You can download the, the country you're in. 
So she typed in, we made this little heart to put in your, for you to put in your pocket to remind you Jesus loves you. And then she would show that to them, and they could read it. They would, every, everybody, but just maybe a couple people, didn't want them to pray with them, but everybody did. There were always tears and hugs. And so that was how we communicated was Google Translate. The, the guys in the warehouse, the manager and his assistant, they didn't speak any English at all. Google Translate, you speak into it, they could read it, and then he would do the same thing. And it's amazing. So this is where we were working in the, that was a donated, that was also one of the church members donated this warehouse space, and they set up. 18-wheelers would pull up, and you could see at the time this was built, it was not really built for 18-wheelers to back up to it. Yeah, I was amazing. And so that's what some of the tap pallets would look like. We'd load them up with pasta, hygiene supplies, diapers, uh, milk, oil, basic foodstuffs. And we would just pack them up and get ready. Sometimes we'd have 18-wheelers pull up. We'd put 33 pallets on an 18-wheeler. Sometimes it'd be a pickup truck. We've had, uh, we had prayer time every morning, so that was basically their warehouse and we would just all day long packing up pallets <coughs> shipping them out receiving stuff this was a group from a polish baptist church they came down with three vans we loaded them up prayed with them that day we had volunteers from wales scotland belgium people from all over europe were coming <coughs> to help and it was just amazing there's Never seen just an outpouring. The church from Wales, they volunteered to send help every week. They were going to send a group of people down just to help out, help out in the shelter, help out in the warehouse. So it's really, I think, worldwide just an outpouring of people feeling for the Ukrainian people and wanting to help. So we would always get together after we'd load up. We'd pray over them because they're traveling into the Ukraine. Uh, some of them, we had a 118-wheeler young kid. He was uh, 24 years old. He was taking his 18-wheeler nearly to the Russian border. Brave young, and he spoke really well. His English was really good. So um, it, was, it was kind of a blessing to be able to pray over them and just hear their story. They would all show us pictures, um, the destruction that's going on there. Russians tearing up the roads, flooding areas, just willful destruction. We had church service on Sunday. It lasted a couple hours because we had to translate into English and Polish. As it, well, the church service was in Polish, but it was translated into Ukrainian and uh, English. So, but we recognized contemporary worship songs. We could tell as soon as the tune started going. It was like we know this. So we would sing it in English, and and they would be in Polish. This is a picture I took while I was there, and. It's kind of, that's our hope, right? God gave us the rainbow in the sky to remind us of his love for us. So I've kind of, that's my hope for them. Um, that's really, I, there's, well, we missed some of the pictures. There was so many connections and pictures. I guess we missed the one with uh, my team leader, Mike, goes to a church in Richardson. 
he, they have a Latvian missionary, a, a missionary to Latvia, and she does uh, prosthetics. That's her mission, and so that's how she reaches people. She needed some Bibles in Ukrainian because she was running a Bible study. And he met with the Baptist seminary president and asked him, do you know where we can get some Ukrainian Bibles? And he said, well, before the war started, I felt compelled to purchase 3,000 Ukrainian Bibles. So he said, I'd be happy to give you 400 Bibles. Those kind of stories, I got, I got a lot of those kind of stories, just connections, people feeling compelled to help. So he was going to give Mike 400 Bibles to get to their missionary. Well, there were two girls from Latvia that were helping out in running the daycare in the church there. They knew Katie, the missionary there, and were going to transport the Bibles to her. So all those connections. And one of the girls actually had been to Mike's church here in, te in, in Texas. She had a Longhorn hat on. She said, I get people calling me all the time. So it was uh, just all those, all those God connections. So that was uh, lots of stories of connections of people. But I don't, I don't have anything more than that. That's pretty much it. If anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to try to answer them. I have a question. Them. Yes. Where can we go to donate? Um, I will give that information to Cliff. Because it's, it's donate a pallet is what the um, Baptist uh, IMB board has set up. Sweetie, and can you can back up to that slide? I don't uh, know. Wait, how far? Oh, it's at the very beginning. Yeah, it's at the very yeah. And George, I might say, I'm not saying don't. I'm, I'm just saying that Crossings is working with the church in Germany and Poland. Okay. So there's, let me see, how can I? Okay, there are multiple ways to the very first, the very first one. Multiple ways uh, to be involved. Yeah, that's so just right now, got, crossings has a an emergency. That's just for the. But, yeah, the sign on the warehouse oh, at the donate pallet. Okay. Oh, you're right. <laughs> that's way down there. There. Yeah. Okay. So that's hashtag donate pallet Baptist charity action. Yeah, BCA. Yeah, so that's that's where you can go, and I think a whole pallet is eight hundred dollars, but you don't have to buy a whole pallet. You can donate any amount, and there, and that relief is going because they're going to continue with that relief is just sending food into the Ukraine, and so it's volunteers, uh, people working through the church that are sometimes we would load up a truck with just. It'd be a whole pallet full of pasta, and then they'd have a whole pallet full of milk, and they would take that whole 18-wheeler to a distribution point, and then they'd get it out there. It's really amazing the way they were getting everything. Can you talk a little bit about the connections of that church ended up, ended up by word of mouth being a hub for refugees would come in, stay a few days, go on another place, but where do they go from there, and the connections of all over the... Yeah, they were they were just it, it is a basically a word of mouth thing because we would get people dropped off at the church in the middle of one thirty at night. They would they would show up. Um, so people were constantly volunteering. 
and they would just drive their cars to the border, pick up a family, and they would take them to the church. And from there, they had a this, I'm not even sure how they had the, this network set up, but they would, if, if somebody had a sponsor in another country, they could go to that country. Uh, Austria was just, if they could get to Austria, they were welcoming them. They would provide them with food, health care, help them get a place to stay, a job. Countries were just opening up their arms to help these people. So they had some kind of a network set up where the people would go. So they would stay. Sometimes there was a uh, mother and daughter who had been there because they were waiting. They had family in the UK and were waiting for their visa to come through. They actually, their story, they had lived in their basement. All the windows in their house were blown out. They lived in their basement for three weeks before they decided we just have to leave. Uh, it took them five days to get to the church. They had two bus rides, a train, they walked, somebody gave them a ride in a car, and then they also rode a train. So they're pretty tired and just, just worn out when they get there. But they get a lot of love and food. The church is feeding all these people. Uh, Easter Sunday, they had 99 people show up. Wow. So a lot of, lot of work, a lot of extra mouths to feed. But uh, God's been really good through it all. Mark, would you be willing, or if can you, can you share with us here a bit? What did this do to you? It, um, it, it just, I, you, I see the goodness of God in it all, in his hand, in everything that's going on there, just with the, the church, just stepping out in faith and, and providing this and, and being a part of it. Uh, the Baptist seminary being leaders in that and the hub point for all the connection with the churches and connecting the people together, moving, moving supplies, moving people back and forth, donations. People from all over, from the United States. There was a, a two sisters there. The day after the war started, one of the sisters and her father showed up at the church here. They, it's just amazing God moving in the hearts of people that I need to go there and help, whatever. Um, student from one of the uh, DTS, quit her semester early to come. She cleared it through her, her um, advisor, but they, they, were, they backed her. She said, I, I, have, I have to go. I have to help. I, um, we had a journalist there. That was, he, he had just got hired. And he said one of the, um, the only exception that he had with his hiring was, I need to go there and be there. I'm still going to do my job, so at 9 o'clock, to five in the morning, he was doing his editing, and then he would volunteer in the warehouse during the day, and while he was doing his editing at night, he was helping income the refugees that were coming to the church. So just a, a, lot, of, a lot of hope. You see the, the terrible, terrible thing happening, horrible stories, but I also see a lot of love, a lot of hope, and, and God will overcome all of this. God can turn all situations into good. So. I guess what I see after that.
How many days were you there? I was there 13 days. Wow. Uh, biggest problem we had was COVID. Uh, the last group, the group after mine, uh, five out of 10 people tested positive. Uh, we don't know why. I'm thankful that I got out of there without having it. Uh, three out of my group were um, tested positive. We would test before we went to the airport because it was about a three-hour drive to the airport. So they didn't want to get us up to Warsaw and then test positives and then have to come back. So. They would, we would just, they would stay there and isolate if they tested positive. I don't know where, where it was coming from, because it wasn't running rampant through the, through the church or anything like that. And we didn't have a lot of contact with other people, other than the people at the shelter there. So that was probably our biggest challenge. Anything else? Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. When we talked about this, I, he shared a, about his friend Mike and the church in Louisville, Texas, and how that connection with people across the globe, it's just God, you know? It's, we've talked about this before, you know, that a lot of times we think that, you know, God is, you know, or, you know we're bringing God to the situation, and what we're really doing is we're joining him with what he's already doing. You know, he's already been there. He's already um, been involved <clears throat> preparing people. I was so shocked when he told the story about the guy that months before this happened, just had this sense I need to buy a lot of Bibles, <clears throat> 3,000. And um, just pre preparation, just preparing, just getting ready. So um, I, I knew when Mark went, we talked about that. Our class got to hear about this, that uh, for us to pray even a little more specifically. What's the name of the town? How do you? Helm. Helm. C-H-E-L-M. C-H-E-L-M. Okay. We can pray a little more specifically for the city of Helm and the Baptist church there. And as they serve and minister to people, you know, this is going to be a long deal. So it won't be like, you know, just running in and getting out. This will be a long, drawn-out situation. So... I'd like for us to pray for the work that Mark did <clears throat> and his team that it would continue and for us to pray more specifically for Helm and the church there. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, uh, <clears throat> we've prayed about this situation. We've seen it on television. We've grieved over it. Um, now we have a place and a name and a church. We pray that the efforts of Mark and his friends as they went there will continue. We pray that the people they met may not even recognize it at the time, but will realize the ministry that was going on and will continue through the life of Mark. We pray, Father, for the church there in Helm, that you'd give them strength and energy. You'd help them as they um, have this long haul of a ministry. This will not be over anytime soon. And as our church and other churches and other groups work together, may you bless and may you multiply their efforts. A lot like you did Jesus with the little boy's lunch, that you take those loaves and fishes and you'd multiply them. And that there would be 
support and um, that people would get what they need when they need it. We feel uh, somewhat helpless as we see the brutality, but we just pray, God, that your presence with your people will have your power for this plight. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. 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 <coughs> Thanks, Mark. Um, hmm. How do you follow that? Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I've had to before. Um, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> let's, let's look at Ephesians 3 here for a second. Go to your table of contents. <clears throat> Make sure you know where that is. 1114, <clears throat> my Bible. One of the things <clears throat> about this passage, and it does relate to what Mark did, and <clears throat> does relate to this uh, kind of ministry, is um, <clears throat> in, <clears throat> in terms of uh, <clears throat> what God expects from me, we've said this over and over again several times, is to walk worthy of your calling. And yeah, we're recording. And so uh, walking worthy of our calling demands that we know what our calling is. Um, And what Mark did and and what others are doing is, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like with the calling that I have? And um, I I just want to draw your attention to this, at at least the structure for me. In Ephesians 3, verse 1 It starts, we saw last week where it starts with, for this reason, I, Paul. Okay, this whole chapter is about Paul, about his ministry, about his service, about his work, what God's called him to. And it is interesting to me in the structure of this book that chapters 1, 2, and 3 is us understanding our calling before we have the ability to live out our calling. And if you look at this, chapters 1 and 2 are all about the work of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Chapters 1 and 2. If you go back there, you see this is all what God did before the foundation of the world. And all these kind of statements about what God has done, what Jesus has done, what the Spirit has done. It's all about that. And then you have this hard turn at 3. Where now our calling must be to understand something about what Paul has done. Now, I make this point, at least in my notes, that it is not only true that we are need to understand what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. That's that's necessary. It's also important for us to understand how other human beings have been a part in our life and our ministry and our experience with Jesus. God doesn't do this without people, right? God didn't send food to the people in Ukraine by dropping it out of heaven. I guess he could, but he's chosen not to. And so it's not only the wonderful things God has done that we need to understand in our calling. It's also the wonderful things that others have done, like the apostle Paul. And so this whole chapter... At least as I've studied it and as I've looked at it, I've realized that that we sometimes 
in our calling of understanding who we are as followers of Jesus, we do talk a lot about, about God. We talk a lot about Jesus. We talk a lot about the, that's important. But who are the humans that are involved in this enterprise? Who are the humans? Last week I asked you to do this. We kind of hit this, but last week I asked you this, to contact someone, to write someone, to email someone, who, some human being who has had a tremendous impact on your life. I mean, did you do that? Anybody? Some did, I know. To say, you know what? Again, I'm, I'm making a little bit of a distinction here. That it is not just the work of God that has been done through Jesus, through the Father, and through the Holy Spirit. It is also people like I, Paul, notice this, a prisoner for your sake. Notice that. It's people. And we mystify the Christian life sometimes. We, we mystify it. We make it all about God and not about the people that God has saved. And so it just seems to me what Mark did and what others are doing is not just to emphasize, which is important, the importance of what Jesus has done, the importance, if you will, of, of this matter of how he's operated, but also how he uses people in their life. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I, I want to say it this way. I've got slides. I'm not worried about that. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, your first thing here should be knowing this specific kind of grace, what we need to know. Okay. <clears throat> knowing our calling appropriate for living out of our calling is, uh, I'm going to go past this, <clears throat> is, um, I'm going past this. Here we go. Know your calling. Knowing our calling is preparation for living out our calling. <clears throat> that if we are going to live out our calling, <clears throat> then we have to have preparation for living out this calling. And I think part of that is an understanding that God, it's not only been the work of God, it's been the work of other people. My friend, uh, Dale McConnell, uh, Dale used to go to church here, Dale retired and, and uh, I'm just tired. He's retired. And, uh, you know, I, I never could figure that out. I thought, you know, I'm really tired and he's retired. So I guess that happens again. So it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, back to this. Uh, that in knowing this, Dale and I used to talk about knowing this idea of this, uh, of knowing this. I, I've got to go through these slides because I'm in, I'm in trouble here. Here we go. <clears throat> Don't worry about that. <clears throat> it, I had a point, but I, I don't need it. <clears throat> knowing this specific kind of grace, if, if, if you would notice throughout uh, Ephesians 3, the word grace shows up in, in verse uh, uh, 2, 7, and 8. It, it recurs over and over again. Paul, Paul keeps referring to that his ministry, his activity is a matter of grace. It's a particular kind of grace. <clears throat> it's the kind of grace that empowers him. Notice how it's used here. Indeed, if you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. In other words, <clears throat> to understand this matter of Paul's ministry to us, it, it was a stewardship of grace. He didn't own it. It wasn't his. He had been empowered by God's grace. Then you'll notice here over in verse 7, he says it is, to me it was given, or of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. There's grace again. Verse 8, to me the very least of the saints, this grace was given 
to be able to preach. Now, all of these references to grace don't have to do with the notion of God being kind to us or God being nice to us or God being forgiving to us. They have to do with God giving power to do things. Power to do things. So Dale and I were talking one day. This idea of human beings. When we used to sing this song, <clears throat> Jesus loves me, this I know. How? That's not true. Dale, now Dale's got a PhD in uh, systematics. So we, we have some good conversations. I, he and I were talking about, I want to suggest what Dale thought. You didn't hear about Jesus loving you from a book. You first heard about it through a person. You heard about it from a grandmother or a parent or a Sunday school teacher. Jesus loves you this you know because somebody told you so. That was first. They were telling you what the Bible said. But that communication to you and to me came not from on high, not from God's spirit or, or God doing something supernatural. It was through another human being. And so this notion that Paul had been given this specific kind of grace to be able to communicate this to people. And as we talked about, I thought, Dale, you're right. The first time I heard about Jesus loving me, I remember it was from my grandmother, Meemaw, who was a saint. We have a little, a little, are we not being recorded? Okay. I have some relatives. We have a little Meemaw idolatry in my family, just a little bit. You know, she, she gets greater and greater every year, you know, like that, you know. But I could tell you without a doubt that the first person that I remember that was able to communicate the love of God to me was Meemaw. My whole family would say that's the truth. It was a person. And so it's that God uses people. That's why Mark went. That's why other people are going. That's why God engages us or enables us to engage in ministry. It's why Water 4 went. The, you know, God wasn't drilling water wells over there. He needed people. Paul's trying to communicate this. And I want to just say, again, our understanding of our calling needs to understand that there's not only chapters 1 and 2 in Ephesians that are as wonderful as any theology in all of Scripture. But thank God for chapter 3. Thank God for the Apostle Paul who was willing to give his life. He says this specific grace, it was given ministry to me. It was the stewardship of God. It was given me to be able to preach. Now, let me give you another verse here because <clears throat> this is kind of related to this when it says, notice there, 2, 7, 8. All of that, that's a specific kind of grace. It's not the kind of grace to forgive you when you've blown it. It's not the kind of grace to, forg to, to, to say, you know, God loves you. And cares. It's the specific kind of grace to give somebody the power and ability to do the work of God. Why is that important? Go to your table of contents. Look at the book of Romans real quick. The book of Romans. My Bible to let 1070. <clears throat> the book of Romans, go to chapter 10. We, we, we sort of, again, lots of times we mystify this stuff. Like, well, God will take care of it. How? How will He take care of it? You know, what will He do? Now, notice here in chapter 10, Paul's uh, re re having referenced uh, the gospel is actually kind of referring now uh, to the Jewish people of why and how this is all happened uh, in their life. 
Notice here, I'm going to start at verse 9. It's, it's kind of in the middle of it, but you'll remember the context. Verse 9, but if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, confesses, resulting in salvation. For in the scripture it says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. See, that's what we've been talking about in Romans 2 and 3. But the same Lord over all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. Watch this. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him in whom they not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? I mean, how will they hear? This is back to the notion. Chapters 1 and 2, God has done all this wonderful work through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Guess what? It takes human beings to be involved. I mean, look at that. That's a wonderful passage. We use it about if you'll confess with your mouth and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, we believe. But, but Paul says, well, how are they going to call on him if they've not believed? And how will they believe in him if they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So this specific kind of grace that Paul is referring to is this kind of grace that God gave to him. For you. Notice it says that phrase too. Go back to Ephesians. I'm running you around here. This is good. Uh, Ephesians 3 when it says for you, verse 2. For you in behalf of the Gentiles. So this minister. So it's a knowing a specific kind of grace. My dad uh, was a poet. Um, He grew up in West Texas where you can stand knee-deep water and dust blow on your face. And uh, he, he grew up poor uh, in huge poverty. Uh, but he was a poet. And uh, my dad memorized hundreds of lines of poetry. Just remember, I, I would ask him, why are you doing that? He said, it relaxes me. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> it relaxed him. But I can remember all the time, <clears throat> my dad, when he'd be preaching, that <clears throat> he would just rattle off several lines. And he would often quote this poem. <clears throat> I love my dad. Yeah. God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. God has no feet but our feet to lead others in the way. God has no voice but our voice to tell others how he died. God has no help but our help to lead them to his side. My dad would quote that, and my dad lived that. They believed that God would use his hands and his feet and his voice to help others to find the way on more than one occasion. In all of our lives, 
and all of our understanding. Understand that we've been the recipients of a specific kind of grace that came through human agency, human beings. I asked you last week to consider who that was for your life. I want to ask you this week, who are you that to to someone else? Who are you that to to someone else? You know, one of the wonderful things that God has called us to, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a theologian. I mean, we all are theologians. Okay, let me back up. We're all theologians. We all have a theology, what we believe about God. We're all theologians. So we have some sense of who God is or what He is. But one of the remarkable things about the Christian life, I think, is how when we get involved with being that agent or that person who can share with another person what they've learned and how they've grown and how they've been a part of the work of God in their life. I will tell you this. I promise you this. You know this. I mean, I'm going to tell you anything different. When you come to the end of your life, you're going to want to know, did my life count? And I'll tell you how it counts. Because the only thing we're taking to eternity is ourselves and other people. Nothing else. That's the only thing we're taking. Ourselves and other people. And my dad, I remember us having this long or having this discussion before he died, this talking about. And so he asked me, he said, son, has my life counted? I said, well, you made a difference in my life. So I, I got on Facebook and I just wrote on there. I said, OK, guys, I know you're out there. I want to know what Marvin. He hated this nickname, by the way. Hooky Sanders. He earned that name. The eighth grade, he quit going to school. <clears throat> I said, would you tell me and just write it down and I'll print it. And all these people throughout the years are writing what my dad meant to them. My dad <clears throat> had in the front of his Bible. I have it. The rest of my family is not as spiritual as me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're also not as mouthy. <clears throat> In the front of my dad's Bible, got in my house, where he listed every church he ever pastored. He only pastored four. And in every place, he wrote down the names of the young men at that time that went into the ministry. In Kilgore, Texas, little bitty town, little bitty church, six men. Went to the ministry. Beaumont, Texas. Next church. Not a big church. Beaumont, Texas. Four go to the ministry. Winchester, Kentucky. Where I told you last week I, I went. And it changed my life. It was wonderful. Seven of us went to the ministry. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Or Lexington. Two. Every place. Albuquerque. Every place he went. My dad's legacy is that through his human agency, there are about 35 of us that have been in some form of ministry over life. Somewhere around that number. I'd have to get it specific. But you see, 
God uses people. The human agency. So who is it in your life that you're saying, look, I don't know everything, but I'll tell you what I know. I don't know it all. I hadn't got it all figured out. But here's what I can share with you that God has done in my life. The thing I found in my life was when I'm engaged in that kind of work and that kind of ministry, God continues to deepen my life. I'll end with this. It's human agency. I told this story before, but uh, when the Navigators ministry first started, uh, Dawson Trotman, who led it, had a guy named Jim Downing, who Jim was, they were both ex-Navy guys that, you know, had gone to the Navy. And that's why they called the Navigators, because they were trying to disciple um, men on the boats. And and, uh, the Navigators now are thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the country. In fact, Jim Downing who was the oldest navigator to die just a few years ago in Colorado Springs. One of the freeways in Colorado Springs is the Jim Downing Expressway. One day they were in New York. Jim had just joined Dawson. And Dawson's famous statement, I'm not, I don't mean it to be, uh, it would be different today. But in Discipleship Matters, he asked every guy it was a follower of Jesus, to get another guy and to pour their life into them. And he had this statement. Who's your man? Who's your man? Ladies, we'd encourage you to be, who's your lady? One day they're in New York and Bill, Jim Downing has left the Navy and left some other things and is involved in this ministry and uh, he's, he and Dawson are, are meeting some other people and they're introducing themselves. Dawson says, I'm Dawson Trotman. I'm the director of the Navigators. Now, Jim Downing's been traveling with him and been with him for some time. And Downing turns around to the guy and says, hi, I'm Jim Downing. I'm in the Navigators. And Dawson right then said, Jim, you're not a Navigator. Just left the Navy (laughs) to be in this. And he said, who's your man? Who's your man? Who's the person that you are giving your life to. That'd be a great thing for us, as Paul did to say. Part of my calling is to realize I've been the recipient of this kind of grace. Who am I extending it to? Who am I extending it to? So I want to ask you this week, what is this kind of grace? It's not the kind of grace that just says you're forgiven. It's not the kind of grace that says God loves you. It's not the kind of grace that just says, I care about you. It's the kind of grace that comes through human agency that God empowers people to serve and to minister to others. That's the specific kind of grace that we can live in this week. So who's your person? Who's your per- Last week we were talking about who served you, ministered you. Who's yours? Could be your kids. Could be your neighbor. Could be a friend here at church. Could be a person at work. But someone, someone you're ministering to through human agency to experience the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a little girl, my cousin and I went to church every Sunday. Mm. And that was the first time I heard the name Jesus. Mm. And I'm in AA and every chance I get, I... Jesus' hmm. name has saved me. Yes. Yeah. First time you heard it. 
It was through another human being. Okay? You weren't doing Greek or English exegesis. <laughs> right? None of us were. So I'm just going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you this week. There are lots of resources, lots of opportunities. But you know what? When I've done discipleship with young men or other people, I'm, I'm finishing up with three guys I've been meeting with for nearly three years. They're going to graduate. They're going to graduate. And I've often said to them, it's not the material that's that important. It's the life sharing that's important. You don't have to have a curriculum. You don't have to have a certain curriculum. It's you sharing your life through grace that is for power, not grace just to feel good, not just grace to be forgiven. It's not so important the material as it is the person as you experience God's grace through you for ministry. Let's pray. Don't bow your head. <laughs> I'm what? I, see, I'm an ordained minister, so I can keep my eyes open. <laughs> I got to tell you some stories on that later. Okay, you don't have to keep your eye, but God wants to see your face. There, listen. There are times to bow our heads in when we're humbling ourselves, when we've failed, when we're asking to repent. It's okay, and if you need to, that's fine. If it helps block out the the distractions, but I'd like to encourage you to think about looking up. Because God wants to see your face. He likes you. Jesus, we are so thankful for what you've done. And we rejoice in that. But wow, are we so thankful for human agency that's made a difference in our lives. Whether it be a meemaw or whether it would be a dad or a mom. Somebody told us about you. And so Jesus loves me because your people told me so. Now help us in our lives to be that same human agent for others. We rejoice in the ability, the opportunity to join you in what you're doing in the world. What a, what a marvelous thing Mark's been able to be a part of. But Lord, you're doing that right here in Oklahoma City with people we live around. Help us, oh Jesus, help us to know that that grace for power for living is available to us. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Amen.